The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, Mountain Park. Wow, welcome. Glad you're here. Special welcome to any family and friends who've gathered here for the uh, child dedications or for the baptisms, which will be coming up in just a few moments. Very glad that you're here. I first want to begin by saying to the regular folks here, you are mighty impressive. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I am mighty impressive. Come on, do it. You want to do it. Even, yeah, even more impressive than you thought. Let me tell you why. At a time, at a season in our country's history when, when generosity is supposed to be dropping, when nonprofits are supposed to really be struggling to uh, do what they want to do, when, when they're going to have to kind of pull back from a lot of the efforts that they want to do in terms of helping people or loving on people, uh, you two, uh, you guys, not you, I mean you two, uh, and you, um, lots, uh, have really done an amazing job of, of uh, continuing to be generous and to be loving even in the midst of this economy. There's a gentleman at Bridgeway Church, which is just north of us, and uh, he oversees a number of outreach ministries here in the area with a number of different churches and kind of uh, connects with a number of different churches to help facilitate a number of things. He saw my wife recently and he said, he said, Mountain Park, you guys are doing awesome. You guys not only uh, maintain what you've done before, but you continue to bump it up in the midst of, of a lot of folks struggling with that. And so way to go. Let me give, just give you a few examples. Our Thanksgiving boxes that we were receiving up uh, through last Sunday, uh, the most boxes we've ever received was 200 this year, you provided 283 boxes, big boxes for Thanksgiving. That's awesome. Operation Christmas Child are those little shoe boxes that we connect with an organization that sends them to children around the world who uh, don't even know that it's Christmas, that Christmas is happening. So there's a little love in a box. And our goal last year was 400. We didn't meet it. This year, uh, we set a goal of 500. Why not? And uh, 503 is how many boxes have come in by you guys. That's awesome already. And then Angel Tree, uh, which uh, where you take a card that represents a child who has a parent who is uh, who's incarcerated, and and so we give we provide for that child. I mentioned that last week, and there was a swarm around the Angel Tree desk uh, table last week, and they're gone. You took them all, so we had to get more. So now we have more in the lobby for you. But uh, mighty impressive, most impressive. Uh, so. Um, so, uh, way to go. This is a Sunday of Thanksgiving and celebration. I uh, hope you all had a great Thanksgiving week. I uh, hope none of you got trampled on uh, during any of your shopping. Anybody get any good deals? Anybody get a good deal the last couple of days? Okay, good for you. Yeah. Uh, just remember, as Christmas is approaching, that we do not spend money we don't have, right? Right, friends? We do not spend money we don't have. A great deal on a flat screen TV that you can't afford is not a great deal. Okay. Anyway, just a loving little thing there. Okay. Uh, we thought uh, this morning, what better way to wrap up our year-long series. We've been spending the whole year talking about Jesus, and what better way to wrap that up, to celebrate that, than with child dedications and baptisms. This morning, 31 people are being baptized, uh, and we get to celebrate in that. It's fantastic. 
Fantastic. So would you uh, bow your heads once more with me as we just thank God once again. God, you are so good. Just as Tim prayed, you are the provider and you bless us in so many ways. And it's, it's so true that life can be so hard and there can be difficult moments, difficult days. It's a difficult season. It could be uh, the end of a hard year. But God, in the midst of all that, you are there, you are present, you are loving, you are persistent. We are thankful this morning. We praise and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in January uh, of this year, as we launched into this into this series, we had this uh, whiteboard over here. And so we invited folks to come up and sign their name on this board. And the idea is an invitation to be one of the 12 that uh, instead of uh, seeing yourself in the New Testament and imagining you're one of the thousands up on a hill, distant from Jesus, barely able to hear what he's saying, And what did he say? What did he say? Instead of imagining you're there, imagining you are one of the 12. You are in the upper room. You are laughing with Jesus. You're talking with Jesus. He's washing your feet. You are interacting with him. It's not about just learning information about Jesus of Nazareth, but about actually having a relationship with Jesus. Jesus the Messiah. That's been the whole theme of this, of this whole year. And so we invited a number of you to come up and sign and say, would you consider being one of the 12 this year? And hundreds of you signed. Susie, Chris, Mike, Austin, Kim, Pierre, Tony Stark. Who wrote that? Tony's. Uh, Kaylee, Kathy, Mary, Lisa. There's more uh, female names that are uh, because male uh, names are uh, they think they're professional athletes when they write on here and so you can't read them they're just there's another scribble here uh, but there's a number uh, there's a Marty uh, Malia Sarah Shannon with one N uh, Rosanna with one N so there's a shortage of N's uh, here we have, um, uh, let's see, I can't read that one. Must be another guy. We have Taylor, uh, Danielle, Mike, Brad, Matt, Riley. Hundreds of names. Let me just remind you, Jesus knows your name. If you're one of the thousands up on a hill, then it, it, you have this feeling of Jesus may or not know, may or may not know, Um, uh, what you're doing with your days, what you're doing with your decisions. But Jesus knows your name. He knows who you are. Regardless of where you are in your relationship with him, he knows your name. And the idea this year is not that we want to identify a place where we can arrive at the end of this year. The whole invitation, the whole idea with the AD concept is for movement to happen. It's for there to be a a movement from one place to another. Jesus knows your name, and he is very excited and proud of any movement you have made this year toward him. Maybe you have been a follower of Christ for many years, and something this year struck you as new or different. You have uh, been able to connect with Jesus in a new and different way. 
fantastic. Maybe this year you are uh, still at this point, you're still searching. Maybe you've only come for the last month or so, and you're not exactly sure yet uh, what this whole Christianity thing is, but you are more intrigued now than you were before. You've taken a step closer towards embracing the reality and the beauty of who Jesus is. Fantastic. The idea is not arriving somewhere. The idea is movement of drawing closer to Jesus in some way. Are we different now than we were at the beginning of the year? Will you be different at the end of 2013 than you are right now? Is there movement? Jesus is thrilled and excited about movement. And there has been movement in our church. I got a a card, a Thanksgiving card from someone in our church this week. I just was thrilled with this. They wrote... um, Mountain Park has been the bridge from God to myself. I've grown closer to and learned more about Jesus Christ this year than ever in my life. Little card that was sent to the church. Isn't that awesome? As I said a couple weeks ago, this is good news. This is exciting. This is fantastic stuff. I want to read a section from John chapter 17 this morning. If you brought your Bibles, I invite you to go there. Uh, the New Testament begins Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the fourth gospel, the fourth book in the New Testament. And in this chapter is found a prayer of Jesus. Jesus is praying for these 12 disciples. He's, up, he's in the upper room. He's gathered with them. And according to John, this is the last thing that happens before things really take a dramatic turn. Before Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, he's arrested, he is convicted, he is crucified on a cross. According to John, this is the very last thing. Chapter 18 begins with Jesus entering into the Garden of Gethsemane. And the very last thing that he does is he prays. He prays for himself, he prays for the 12 disciples. And he prays for all future believers. This is the longest prayer of Jesus that we have in recorded history. John chapter 17, and I want to begin reading in verse 6, where Jesus starts to pray for the 12. Imagine gathering with Jesus in the upper room. You're one of the 12. You're with him in the upper room, and Jesus talks to the Father. I have revealed you, God, I revealed you to those whom you gave me, to the twelve, out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. This is the This is the transitional period where people believe that God sent Jesus and we believe the words that come out of his mouth. It's this transitional thing from just being interested or fascinated with who Jesus is or who Jesus might be, shifting from believing that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah that God sent to save the world. It's a transition there. It's part of the journey of faith where we cross over and we say, yes, I'm not perfect, but I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And that's what we would call a Christian. That you're not a Christian because you go to a Christian church. 
You're not a Christian because you grew up in a Christian home. You're a Christian because you have come to some point in your life where you say, I've, I've learned enough about Jesus. I now believe he is Lord. Again, you're not perfect, but you're at this place of, of, of this, this transitional crossover. And he's referring to his 12, saying, they have done this. Verse 9, I'll continue. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world right now. I, I added the right now. But for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled. Have you ever been with a group of people and you're praying and your head is bowed and your eyes are closed and then something is said as part of the prayer that just stands out. It's particularly unexpected. It's, it kind of catches your attention and maybe you break prayer. So you're, you're in this, and somebody says something, and boink, and you break prayer, and you look around to see who else has broken prayer, and then you catch eye contact, and you look at each other, because you can't talk. Cause... <laughs> and then you kind of get back in, because did you hear what I heard? Did you hear, did you hear, did he just say that? There was a, uh, there was a kind of a classic story of a, of a pastor named John Ortberg. He's a writer and a pastor, and there was uh, one time when he was at a, at a church in Chicago, and he's leading a large church through this incredibly worshipful experience. And uh, it's a very prayerful experience. And he is, uh, the band is with him. And people are just worshiping and eyes are closed. And the whole thing is so fantastic. And he's reading through Psalm 150, the last psalm. And it, and it, is, this, it is this brewing uh, 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 experience of praise him with the tambourine, praise him with the cymbal, and he reads the last verse in Psalm 150. He, he reads it and he says, let everything that has breasts praise the Lord. And everyone went, did he just say what I thought he said? Look it up, uh, Psalm 150, that's not what it says. And, and so he kind of ruined the moment there. But I think that may have been what happened here in John chapter 17. Because Jesus is saying, I'm praying for these 12 wonderful men, except for the one who's doomed to destruction. <coughs> Did he say what I thought? Doomed to destruction? He's talking about you. No, yes, he's talking about you. <laughs> you know, I mean, how would that have felt? You're, in, you're just with 12. You're not with thousands of people. You're just with 12. And Jesus says, except for the one doomed to destruction. He, of course, is referring to Judas, who uh, is about to betray him in the Garden of Gethsemane. But this would have been a shocking experience for them. Doomed to destruction. Jesus continues to pray. Verse 13, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And here's, here's the, the clincher verse, verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Most 
followers of Christ at some point in their lives have gone through this point of thinking, if heaven is so wonderful and life on, on this broken world can be so crappy, pardon my French, or crappé, if heaven can be so wonderful and life on this earth can be so not, why don't I just go to heaven? Why can't I just skip this part and experience this amazing beauty in heaven if I really believe that that's what's in line for me? It's a natural question, concern, thought. And Jesus says the point is not to remove you from this broken world. It's to use you in this broken world. That's why this whole series has ended with the idea of mission. A few weeks back we talked on Veterans Day about the role of soldiers and we prayed for soldiers as they were heading out. That We don't pray for absolute, uh, absolutely no danger to go anywhere near a soldier who's heading off into, on a tour. If it's just about avoiding danger, they shouldn't go. They should stay in bed, stay in the safety of their, of their home. But they are called on a mission. And so we don't, we don't pray to take them out of that mission. We pray that as they're going about that mission, that they would be protected, And as Jesus says, from the evil one, from thoughts of hopelessness, of despair, of thinking that nobody cares about them and nobody's thinking about them, nobody's praying for them, thinking that life is not worth fighting for. The humanity is not worth fighting for. We pray against those things. That's what Jesus is praying for the twelve. And I think that's what he's praying for us. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. We are not to be removed from this broken world. We are to be used in this broken world. that just in the same way that we prayed for soldiers, that we would be protected from the evil one, from thoughts of despair and hopelessness, from thoughts that, that life is not worth fighting for, the humanity, that our marriage, that our, our, our relationships with our kids, even if they're older and there's so many years that we missed out on, but we still have some years left or we still get to spend time with them as adults, it's, it's not believing the lies of the enemy that all of that stuff is, fu- is futile, is, is, waste, is a waste of time. Praying against that kind of despair. Let me just read the last part of this prayer. Verse 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus began with 12 young, ordinary men. They were not superstars. And after three years, he is now saying in John 17, now they're ready to go out and change the world. It's been three years. We've poured into them. It's time for them to go out and change the world. I think the whole journey AD could be summed up in two words, invitation and challenge. Invitation and challenge. It happens over and over again throughout Scripture. It has happened over and over again as we've looked at the person and the life of Jesus. We began this journey looking at uh, Matthew. Jesus uh, uh, comes up to Matthew, this tax collector who's sitting in a booth, and he says, Come, 
follow me. Invitation. And now here Matthew is one of the 12 in the upper room that Jesus is praying for. He's been with him for, for three years. And he's one of the 12 that Jesus is saying, as you have sent me, now I am sending them. Jesus is challenging Matthew, saying, now, you are ready. You can do this. Go and impact the world. Invitation and challenge. Invitation and challenge. The whole concept of child dedication is an invitation and a challenge. It's an invitation to say, come, we would love and be honored for you to be a part of this body. We invite you to come and bring your child, and we invite you to be a part of our children's ministry and part of our home team ministry that wants to pour into your parenting and into your families. We, we invite you to be loved on by this church. It's an invitation to you, to your friends, to your uh, uh, children yet to be. It's an invitation. It's a wonderful invitation, but it's also a challenge, as Tim laid out so clearly. It's a challenge that you would raise your child with knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. We can't introduce our children to a God that we don't know. It's a challenge to go against the grain at times in terms of how we raise our kids. For us to, at times, lovingly discipline our kids. Lovingly discipline them to give them a framework of morality that perhaps is not in line with where the world is at. To love them in ways that are consistent with Scripture, with the way that God has set us up and designed us to be. It's a challenge. It's an invitation. It's a challenge. So is baptism. Baptism is an invitation and a challenge. It's an, it, uh, it's an invitation for those uh, 31 who are being baptized this, this morning. They responded to the invitation to being a follower of Christ. Baptism doesn't change anybody. The process of getting in the water doesn't change anybody. It is a symbol of a transformation that has already happened and a transformation that is continually happening. It is an invitation to go from the old person to the new person, down with the old, with the old ways of doing things, up with the new, with the new ways of doing things. You're a new person. It's an invitation to experience freedom from areas of bondage that perhaps have been a part of your life that need spiritual release as opposed to all the work you've been doing trying other methods. It's an invitation. But it's also a challenge. Because those 31 people, they haven't arrived today in the sense that they're done. Whew, boom, I'm done. It is a challenge to continually be transformed. Those who are going to be baptized, the Holy Spirit is residing in them. That's what Scripture says. That's what happens when we become a follower of Christ. The Holy Spirit resides in us, and he doesn't want to live in a pigsty. So he will clean house. He will work on us one piece at a time according to his timing and his purposes. It is a challenge to use our talents and our resources and our time in ways that expand the kingdom. It's invitation and challenge. As you're reading Scripture, whatever your journey is with Scripture, if you come across something that kind of grabs you, that kind of stirs you, that grabs your heart, something is happening there, ask yourself, is this an invitation or is this a challenge? I think God does one of those two things at all times. 
I think Jesus does that throughout his ministry all the time. Invitation, challenge. Where are you today? Are you at a period of invitation or challenge? Maybe you are at a place of invitation. Maybe you're at a place of of being invited into following Christ more deeply. Uh, Being invited into a place of surrendering your life to him and calling him Lord. Being invited into a place of experiencing the freedom that he offers, the life that he offers. Maybe invited into being baptized. You haven't done that yet. Let us know. We'll sign you up for the next one that's coming up. Maybe this morning is a time for you to be challenged. Maybe that's where, where you are in your, in your journey, to be, um, to be poked and pushed a little bit, to be challenged, maybe in ways that are, in areas that are some of the hardest for you. Some areas that you do not want to release the Holy Spirit into that part of your life, but that's where he wants to go. Is this a time of invitation or is it a time of challenge? Invitation, challenge. Invitation, challenge. Safe place to visit, dangerous place to stay. The invitation is beautifully safe. The challenge is a dangerous journey. Where are you? I want to invite you to, um, to stand because I'd love to pray with you uh, as we launch into a time of worship and baptisms. If you are being baptized, I invite you to just slip out where you are. It's easier to do that when folks are standing. So just slip out where you are. Any families who want to join them in the lobby and celebrate the baptism out there with them, please feel free to do that. Go ahead and slip on out and get ready, and we will uh, celebrate with you in just a few moments. The rest of you, I'm going to pray with you, and then we are going to launch into a time of singing and worship. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I pray for those being baptized here this morning. I pray right now as they continue to work through some of the details and get ready and all that, God, it would be a significant time with you. Whatever the details are, God, that it would be all about you. It would be about uh, hearts that have at some point said, I belong to Jesus now. Pray that this would be an unforgettable experience for them. And God, I pray for anyone in the room uh, today who's at a place of invitation. God, that they would be responding to the, to the invitation you have for them. It can be anywhere on the spiritual spectrum. You're inviting them into something more, into something deeper. Father, I pray for anyone in the room here is, who's ready for a challenge that you've been knocking on their hearts and you've been trying to get their attention for a while and they've done the invitation thing. They are ready for the challenge. God, I pray that whatever's getting in the way of that challenge, that it would be released right now. It would be released so they'd enter into the challenge you're calling them to. May there be no more excuses, God. We surrender to you. We love you. We worship you now in the name of Jesus. Amen.